For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for y'all that are, there's Bet Online. August is on the way, and there's still great things to jump in there and try to bet on. There's the second half of the baseball season. If you're a football better, there's tons of football futures and props, things that you can wager on as well. BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Believe in Kentucky, the number one podcast network for professionals. My name is Vinny Hardy, and we got a former UK point guard. As a matter of fact, as when I first go back to my furthest memories of Kentucky, this is the first point guard I remember. I can't, no disrespect to like to like Dickie Bill or anybody like that. I can't remember anybody else. The first Kentucky point guard that comes to my mind is this guy right here. We're talking about. <laughs> Roger Harden on, man. Roger, how you doing? Appreciate you. Man, it's on. great. Benny, uh, very kind words. There's no uh, no greater thing that a former player can uh, hear at my age. I'm going on 58 years old. When someone says, when I was a little kid, it, this was a player I remember. So thank you for that introduction. Yeah. Couldn't have gotten any better, even <laughs> if my mother would have written it. <laughs> but it's great to be on with you. All these years later, what's it been? 35 years ago was the last time I played at the University of Kentucky. So the fact that I get to come on podcast all these years later, it wasn't because I had a great career. I'm not disrespecting it, but it's because of the loyal fan base that we've had over the years and the attachment and the respect that they give give the guys that, that played at the University of Kentucky. So it's an honor to come on and talk to you, and you've got a great following. We, we share a lot of Twitter followers, and I always keep up, uh, always want to know. I've got you on notification. Vinny Hardy, somebody I got on TB Brown, I got on notification. I want to know what you guys are talking about. Oh, I, usually, I usually get off Twitter completely after the basketball season's over, and I go straight into my St. Louis Cardinals. Oh. But, but we're struggling this year right now so uh but there's nothing like a summer conversation about sports everything that's going on in the sports world right now particularly the kentucky wildcats so 
Absolutely. It's going to be a joy tonight. Absolutely, man. I always appreciate having you. And I put the tweet out on got to believe in Kentucky Twitter for this podcast. And one of the guys, La Terrain watches is a sponsor. We'll talk about them a little bit later, but one of the guys there at mm-hmm. La Terrain, he retweeted it and said that you were just the underrated point guard and a true floor general. So see there, as soon as I put it out there, people are already talking about your game, Man. And how you ran, uh, ran the offense for UK back then. Well, you know, the great thing about getting over is, you get just a little bit better than you actually were as the years go by, the respect you get. <laughs> but, hey, what, what, a, what an experience it was, you know. And when I came out of high school, you know, I was a big scorer. I averaged about 28 a game. And, of course, I played before the three, and I played before the shot clock. My senior year, we played, if you may or may not remember, the 45-second shot clock. So the game was played so much differently. The offenses, the freedom that they get today, uh, particularly the perimeter players, you know, during my era, it was all about getting the ball to the block, to the big man, uh, UCLA and Indiana and everybody that won it all back in those days, North Carolina State, they all went through the middle with a big man. And I had tremendous front line with Bowie Turpin and Walker in 84, of course, got to play with Kenny all four years. And rightfully so, they needed to touch the ball. But uh, particularly under Coach Hall, the guards were, you weren't going to come down and jack it up from 20. It had to go to the block before, before you could put it up. If it went to the block and came back out, then you could, could do it. But with those three guys, it rarely came, out, came back out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. They were going to do something with it. Those three were going to do something with it. So, um, but it was, it was an honor to play with all of them. Had a great career there, great memories. And, um, you know, so, um, but anyway, uh, what do you think of the Cats this year? I was going to get your opinion on that. I always, you know, people come on and ask me questions. I feel like I know you. I have followed a little bit of the recruiting um, but what's your take on us? And I know there's other things to talk about, but what do you think about the prospects for going into the season next year? I look at it, you know, as, as tough as last year was, as, as much of a struggle as it was, all the things that kind of need to be fixed going into this year, looks like he's, he's addressed it. You know, he, you had mm-hmm. some guys move on to be coaches. You had some changes on the staff. Bring Orlando yeah. back. Bring Tim Coleman in. So you kind of revitalize your staff. Um, they didn't shoot the ball well last year, as you watched and, and saw. So you went and hit this transfer portal. You get a Kellen Grady from Davidson, who averaged 17 a game all four years over there, 2,000-point scorer who can fill it up. Uh, Georgia beat us last year. But Severe Wheeler, yeah, he beat us and then joined us. So yes, <laughs> you get yes. the SEC assist leader, uh, Tata Washington, the freshman coming in, CJ Frederick from Iowa, another yes. guy shooting like forty-seven percent from three. So you address all those issues that were you know kind of causing so many problems last year. Uh, Shibway 
It's some a, a big, big whose physical won't get pushed around. So I think Cal even tweeted the other day, the offseason has been a home run. So all the things that kind of need to be addressed, looks like he's he's addressed them. I agree with you. I, th- I think he's had a tremendous uh, offseason, Coach Cal has. I think he's made a lot of great moves. Uh, some of them probably were tough decisions for him. Um, and um, I'm really excited about the Wheeler kid from Georgia. Um, when we first signed him, and I remember watching him play, I know his stats last year percentage-wise from shooting were not that impressive, but uh, I think the most important thing, uh, and of course I'm a little biased, but, but I think our point guards, you know, if we look back from 78, 96, 98, 2012, we had distributors. We, you know, we had, you know, you look at Macy, Macy could score, but, you know, he was getting the ball to, to Goose and, you know, to Roby, and, you know, he was distributing the ball uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, you look at um, the burner, you look at uh, Anthony Epps, um, you look at Teague in 2012, those guys were more facilitators. So I feel really good, and I'm not – I don't want to put him in the starting position yet because he has to obviously earn that. But I really think, you know, I remember Coach Hall telling me one time, uh, I asked him because, you know, my, my sophomore year, really I wasn't ready to start, but Dickie Bill was, was – you know, he had some surgery early and didn't really get back full speed until the middle of the season. But I remember asking him, you know, we, we, we coach, coach Hall ran plays. We didn't have really, we ran a little bit of what was called the UCLA high post offense, but he ran a lot of set plays. And as a point guard, you had options off those plays. You had, you know, you could go this direction, you could go that direction. And I remember asking him, I said, you know, you've got Billy Turpin and Walker in there and there's, there's an option for each one. And I asked him which one was my first option. Where did you want to go first on this play? That play, you're a little bit like the quarterback. You just kind of read it in real time. But he said, I don't know which one. I don't know which one you should go to first. But if any of them are in my office complaining about not getting the ball, I know I've got the wrong point guard. So, <laughs> so, so I really think, you know, uh, Wheeler kind of has that mentality naturally. I, once I accepted my role, I really enjoyed being a, a distributor. There, you can really affect the game that way. And I think the chemistry starts with the point guard. When you have a, a scoring point guard, you know, sometimes those guys, when they get down the floor, they're not really sure what's going to happen. And I think there's always room for some chemistry issues, even if you've got great players who deserve to be shooting the ball to one. I just think you elude a lot of problems when you have a natural distributor. And I think Severe is that guy. So I, I'm really going to watch him this year and see what kind of impact he has. I think it's going to be, he's going to, he's going to be one of those guys that brings the best out. I hope in all of his teammates. And also I liked when he signed with us, he talked about the opportunity to win a national championship. And you don't always hear that these days. You hear it maybe in a secondary or, you know, down the road in the conversation. But I remember him talking about that. And I think for our fan base and for the way that sports are going today, and I'm not in any disagreement about guys wanting to get to the next level, 
I think our fan base who has made us who we are needs to hear that, that our players while they're here are all in to win a national championship for us. And we're always happy when they go on to bigger and better things in terms of financially, but it doesn't matter what team they go to in the NBA, they're never going to play for a more loyal and more passionate fan base than University of Kentucky basketball fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I got to ask you too, you talked about no three point lines and I've, yeah. had, Goose <laughs> had Goose on here, had, uh, yeah, like Pratt on here also. And I asked them, the you had Issel on here too. You had Issel too. Yeah. I had him Did on you have- you guys, you had the greats. You yeah. had the guys in the rafters hanging from the rafters. So <laughs> that's why it's another big honor to come on here. <laughs> has Scott on her too? Sure it is. Yes. 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 Oh, and I asked. Hey. I asked all of them. Ask all of them if now if Sky doesn't come on too many things these days. He's real picky. So the fact that he came on <laughs> says a lot about you, Benny, and TV. <laughs> I appreciate that. I asked them if if the three-point line had been there when they were playing, how many how many would you have shot or how many would Coach Hall have let you shoot mm-hmm. if if the three-point line had been there yeah. when y'all were playing? Well, if you look at the evolution of the three, and, and ever since I I left basketball, I've always stayed close to the game. I'm one of those guys that can go to a coaching clinic on a Friday night and Saturday, all day Saturday, and listen to four or five. I don't care if they're high school, college, small college coaches talk. I love, I love to hear philosophies and things like that. And of course, Coach Patino was one of the first to really start to look to it to be a major weapon. But early, those guys that coached before the three were uh, – and I played for, for Coach Sutton, too, and had an opportunity and coached with him. And, you know, back then it was get the high percentage shot, which was get the ball, get a shot as close to the basket as you can. And as time went by, I think they all saw that they're going to have to give up some control when you have the three, you know, it's, it's, what is it now? 22 footer, 21 footer. I don't know what it is now. I know they moved it back a little bit, but, but, but they're not used. Some of those old school guys were not used to that. Your younger coaches who may have played in it or coached in it longer understand the path. And Coach Hall had an inning to let us turn us turn it loose. But that's because he grew up and his thinking about basketball and how to win basketball games was counter to that. But Coach Hall was very, very innovative. I think he would have adapted to that and started to really recruit. He had great shooters, Jay Scheidler, Truman Clater, Goose, Macy. I mean, he had a lot of great shooters. You know, he recruited the shooters. But once you got there, particularly if you were a point guard, particularly if you were a point guard, you were going to be a distributor. So, and I still believe in that today, even with the three. I think if a, if a point guard can shoot the three and they have to respect your ability to shoot the three, I think you got to have that as a, as, a, as a point guard at the University of Kentucky. However, I think your mindset is to keep everybody involved. You know, I, 
I think as the game went along, I could read my teammates. And I, you know, if, if Winston didn't get some shots, he hasn't had some shots or, or if uh, James Blackman or Eddie D or whoever I was playing with, Bowie, Turpin, Walker, you had to keep them involved because I really believe your offense, even though te- coaches like to say our defense is, and, I, and I'm a big believer in defense, but when you've got five guys that are really connected and vibing offensively, that's going to really translate into even more defensive energy on the other end. It doesn't start. People say it starts with defense, but really if you're in your offensive flow, the five of you, your defense is going to go to a higher level, in my opinion, um, based off my experience as uh, your, your team's going to play a little bit more energetic defensively. So if, if everybody's in a rhythm offensively, it, it leads yes. to everybody being more connected defensively? I, I think so. That's my opinion. And, and I played for great defensive coach and, and coach Sutton. And we, you, you, there's a lot of power when you get connected defensively, okay? And the ability to paralyze a team, what they want to do def- offensively, is, is, a, is a great thing to feel when you're out there on the floor. Nobody's getting behind you. No one's getting downhill on you. You're in the gap. You're, you're, you're help side defense. I'm talking 80s basketball now. You know, if you're, if you're guarding, you're taking away the options on that ball screen up top and you're really frustrating what they want to do. You feel that, and that can generate some fast break points, okay? That can lead to some turnovers that lead to offense. But if you've got five guys, if you're coming down and your defense, particularly at that level, it doesn't matter how good you are defensively. If you're playing Baylor or Kansas, you can have moments defensive, okay? Or you might... You know, I've seen some zones. You know, some people have trouble with Syracuse zones. At one time, Baylor ran a 1-1-3 zone that paralyzed some people that didn't know how to attack it. They couldn't figure out – in fact, when we played them at Rupp many years – I don't know, five or six years ago, they beat us with that 1-1-3. We didn't know how to attack that. Usually, teams can adapt to that and do something in real time to counteract what you're doing defensively. So for me, you can have moments where your defense is, but if you're playing a really good team late in the tournament, they're going to be good enough to have a timeout and adapt to what you're doing and exploit that and kind of take that away from you. But if you're, if you're going, if you're vibing offensively, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to be a part of. Absolutely. That in a good that that in a good worship service on Sunday morning, nothing better. <laughs> the two go hand in hand. Huh? The good, they're almost the same. Okay. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, I think if I heard correctly, when you were on uh, Oscar Combs' podcast, when we had mm-hmm. you on there, mm-hmm. your your dad was like a, a big executive at Converse. Was that? Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was he, he, of course, my dad played basketball at Indiana University, 60 to 64. He was their sixth man for his, he was only 5'10". His sophomore, junior, and senior year, he was always the sixth man. I think he made it start maybe 10 games throughout his career there. But uh, then he coached high school basketball, and then he coached college basketball. As we talked about, he coached Sinbad. And then he went on to work 
for Converse, just calling on local sporting goods stores. Um, but the great story about my dad was he made a life decision to get out of coaching to save his marriage. We lived in Denver, Colorado. My mother, we were always, we always lived in a small town in Indiana. He decided to get out to, to be more of a father and put more time into his family because he was always on the road recruiting. And his assistant coach at that time was a guy named Vernon Payne. Vernon Payne, Vernon Payne played basketball in Indiana after my dad. And when he left Denver University, he went to Michigan State to be an assistant. And who do you think he recruited? He recruited Magic Johnson. Wow. And he had two other guys. When he left, a lot of guys transferred. And one of the guys' <coughs> name was Bob Heaton. He, he was from right outside Terre Haute, Indiana. He transferred to Indiana State and became Larry Bird's roommate. There was another kid transferred the same year named Jim Mitchum. He ends up at DePaul. Who do you think in the 80s was his roommate? Mark Aguirre. So my dad at a sales meeting, they're all talking about who Converse wants to sign. And he's kind of the low guy on the totem pole. And he says, I can get you in with Magic Bird today. I, I can get them on the phone. We can do business. I, I've got my players. I've got an assistant coach, two of my former players that I still got a great relationship. So those three people, through their relationships with those people, because of happenstance, Converse asked my dad to start talking to those to those players, those those three Hall of Fame if you will, because Vernon Payne and the two players that played for him had such great things to, to say about my father. So he goes to Salt Lake City in 1979, his first year, and that's when Magic and Bird played for the national championship. And back in those days, if I want to tie in the NIL, there was a whole lot of sh a lot of shenanigans going on, Benny, back then. So my dad goes out there with $10,000 in cold cash and Converse, and his job is to get into the hotel rooms. And at that time, even coaches didn't get paid much by the shoe companies. It was in the 80s when it used to be the basketball coach might be the Converse. The football coach might be with Adidas. The baseball team might be with Mizuno or something like that. This is before the all-school deal. So my dad goes in and he goes to Indiana State. And excuse me, he goes to uh, DePaul first. And he gets Mark Aguirre. I think my father said the number was $1,000. Mark, if you're going to wear that. He's in their room and, and every shoe company is trying to get them to wear it, wear their shoe. So, and there's cash being passed around, okay? So this is coming straight from the horse's mouth. He goes in to, to Larry Bird's room. He goes to Indiana State before he goes over to Michigan State. And he gives Bob Heaton, who played for him, and Larry's roommate, $500. He's down, he's down to about $8,500. And he turns to Larry, who he had been greasing the whole year, going down there and hooking him with some, you know, some uh, Franklin's, right? 
So he's standing there with $8,500 in cash. And, and Larry goes, who's that? Who's all that for? And, and he goes, well, I got to go see Michigan State when I get done with you. And he goes, how much do you need to wear, to wear our shoe in both games? And Bird said, I want all of it out. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad hands him $8,500. And, and he's got to call Joe Dean. Remember Joe Dean? Joe Dean Sr., who did the games on SE on, on on Jefferson Pilot. Right, yeah. He was the vice president of Converse. And my dad said, Hey, I need more money. So Joe Dean has in Western Union 10 grand, Salt Lake City, and he's got to go over and get Magic and Gregory Kelser and a lot of those guys that played at Michigan State wow. also in the shoe. Okay. <laughs> So that's the first time. That's the first time I've ever told that story. And I'm only telling it now because NIL is coming out. Yeah. And to say that a kid got some cash for wearing shoes in the final four now is not that big of a scandal, right? It's like maybe they should have been doing that all along. Sure. So kids before the coaches were get, started getting these big contracts from the from the from the big shoe companies, okay, because I worked for Reebok. I I worked when they started doing the all school. When you would go in and you go to the athletic director and say, "We'll give all of your team's pre product. We'll give you one lump sum, four hundred, five hundred thousand. That's what the number was back then, and you can divvy it up to each coach how you see fit. And our contract will be between the University of Kentucky and Converse or whatever." whatever it was at that time, you would do the all school deal. So that came in, in the early nineties, but through the eighties, coaches were getting paid separate by each different shoe company. Wow. And so the reason I asked, because uh, Davion Mintz, first he tweeted that he had a, a, a partnership with Reebok. Then he said that he didn't and kind of said he, he doesn't have anything because Kentucky's a Nike school. And, it, and then I was wondering if your ears were burning because I think on KSR, the guys were saying that were you wearing Converse back when everybody else was wearing Nike? Is that how it worked when you? Okay. Or okay, so here's how that went down. Here's another story for you. Okay, so Coach Hall retires in '85. We get beat by St. John's. That was the team that started one and four. We had lost the Twin Towers. We were rebuilding that year. Winston Bennett had pneumonia. James Blackman had a knee surgery. We got off to it. It was going to be a rocky start anyway. But we rebound about midway through the season. We come back. We upset number four, Vegas. We, uh, we in the tournament, we beat Detlef Shrimp. They won the Pac-10 at Washington. Was it Washington or Washington State? I can't remember. Washington State, I think. So we come back, have a very respectable finish, which set us up for a 36 and a 32 and four season in 86. But what in the interim was, um, we thought and uh, knew that Lute Olson, the final four that year, Vinny, was at Rupp Arena. That's when Villanova upsets Georgetown. Well, at that time, Cliff Hagen is trying to figure out who's going to be our next head coach. So all the head coaches go to the final four. So during the final four, Lute Olson and Cliff Hagen take a tour through Wildcat Lodge. We, we believe that it's going to be Lute Olson. Well, somehow that deal fell through. Okay. 
So Mr. Hagen had to go back to the drawing board real, real quick. Well, Eddie Sutton ran into Joe Dean Sr., who had a great relationship with Cliff Hagen, and said, I'd like to get the Kentucky job. Could you get me an interview? And Joe Dean Sr. said, yes, I could, Eddie, but you're a Nike guy. And if I get you the interview, you've got to wear Converse. And Eddie Sutton said he would. So Joe Dean Sr. gets the interview job. He goes in because my father pretty much at that point just did professional athletes. He didn't mess with any of the college coaches. Occasionally he did. Okay. So Joe Dean, uh, uh, Eddie, Coach Sutton tells Coach Dean, I mean, Mr. Dean, the, the figure's too big. And Nike's been loyal to me. So he went back on his word is what happened. Well, Converse, the Converse family was, was bitterly upset because they take it serious, you know, who's wearing the shoe. And they take a lot of pride, particularly when it came to the University of Kentucky. So the olive branch was for me because my dad was still an employee and Converse had put food on the table since I was in eighth grade. Uh, it was kind of like we can't ask Roger to wear them. But to be honest with you, I kind of got caught in the middle. I would, particularly when I saw those Kentucky dunks, right? <laughs> I, I wanted me a pair of those Kentucky dunks, okay? And really, my dad didn't care because when I came out of high school, you know, Coach Knight wore Adidas. He recruited me. Coach Katie Purdue wore Nike. My, it was nowhere even in the conversation, you know, what shoe I would wear or that I would go to a, quote, Converse school. My mom and dad just wanted me to go where I would be happy. And Converse would take care of their own business. So, okay, I mean, who am I? I'm just, I'm just Roger Harden, okay? I'm no superstar. So, 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 but Joe Dean insisted to my dad that I wear Converse, that, that Converse still be on a Kentucky player at least one more year. And so Nike released uh, me to wear Converse. They made up a shoe that looked a little like the dunk at that, at that time, my junior and senior year, I wore low cuts. So that year, uh, both teams, both companies, excuse me, got a lot of publicity out of the fact that I was wearing Converse. The rest of the team was wearing Nike. There was a little blib, I think in Sports Illustrated, it was about a two or three day story. Okay, when they unveiled the Kentucky Dunks, you know, they had my Converse shoe out there. So both 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 companies were happy with the publicity, but they were very upset that obviously they were uh, they lost that that uh, Converse lost uh, the University of Kentucky basketball team because they didn't get any better. Yeah. So they were they were just playing nice that season as best they could. huh? I guess <laughs> that's what it was. And I kind of got. But I will say this. I wore all the Nike gear. I mean, they gave us some real nice, fresh Nike gear, okay? I mean, uh -huh. I told my dad, I said, if you see a picture of me in that, hey, <laughs> don't, don't, don't have Joe Dean call me because I'm, I'm wearing it, okay, because it, it was some sweet stuff. It is what it is, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. You're not paying for my, hey, you're not paying for my college education, okay? Be happy with that. Okay, I got a scholarship. <laughs> but he was cool. They were real cool. My mom and dad were cool about it. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if you were 
if NIL, you talked about NIL, which it started yeah. the first of this month. <clears throat> yeah. If it had been in effect years ago, like it should have been, mm-hmm. what's the first place Roger Harden would have gone to to work out an endorsement? Would you have endorsed somewhere in Lexington? Would you have went back to Indiana and tried to work something? Would you have, how would you have played the your cards? Well, well, to start out with being a, being a role player, you got to be real creative. And as you and people who are watching this podcast can tell, uh, I didn't retain my hair and I started losing it in college. I think my first call would have been to Keats or to Rogaine. <laughs> and I would have asked to have like a little private label. Uh, you can get a big royalty off of it but i'm more than willing at my junior and senior year of course back then we wore our hair long we couldn't have it below our ear according to coach hall and coach sutton continued that as well coaches back then told you how to wear your hair can you believe that and uh i think i would have started with a with a uh um you know a was and then uh um, after that, I really think that, you know, basketball camps are good for them. But eventually, I don't know what happened with, you know, there's a backstory to up to Mints, okay? And I'm sure here's the big thing that's going on right now, okay? I work for Reebok. I work for Converse. My dad was in it. I've got many friends at all of the big footwear companies. Puma's on the rise. Uh, they're throwing a lot of money. Uh, at, 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 at getting in and being a, a real player in in footwear, and what's happening is those all school deals, which are huge, and that those checks are big that are written to those universities from Nike and Adidas, Under Armour, some of those. Okay, that money under NIL eventually, I don't know when it's going to happen, but that's all going to go away. They're going to walk right past the athletic director and the head coach. Okay. Because they know it's, it's the court that drive that drives the street. Okay. That was the same. The court drives the street. What's going to be worn. And so it's not a good look when Nike is not going to tolerate us writing this big of a check to the university of Kentucky. And perhaps your best shooter, and by far at the moment, would you say a fan favorite last year? Sure. Very popular, maybe next to uh, uh, to uh, to um, yes, yeah, one, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, he's you know doing and promoting Reebok. Okay, you get multiple players doing that, and which eventually will happen. Okay, the money will get big enough. Uh, and they'll do it just just to do it to Nike. Okay. They'll, you know, that's I'm telling you, that's how that industry is. That's how competitive it is. Those schools at some they're gonna at some point say it doesn't do us any good to do now. Okay. Because I've been in the business and when Coach Knight went from Adidas to Converse, he did that when I worked for Converse. Uh, and I remember when uh, Coach Patino went from took us back to Converse when he came. The impact that that has on basketball teams at all levels, both male and female, in those states, those teams are all going to wear. A lot of them are going to follow those those marquee teams. Right. Those coaches believe in them. 
So you're going to get all of that. Plus, they want to wear what the Cats or what the Hoosiers, whatever team they are, the Baylor Bears, that's what they want to. But it's going to become more of an individual game as time goes on because uh, eventually that all-school deal is going to go away. And I believe they know that. It's just a matter of time. And they are looking for other revenue, combining big schools come into their converse to pump up their uh, television revenue that they're going to get from the networks. Okay. That's probably their biggest stream of revenue that they get outside of what the fans pay for the merchandising and some of those things. So I think there's a big rush right now for athletic departments to find new revenue because they know that big shoe money eventually is going to go away. It might not this year or contracts might need to expire, but when they do, I think it's going to be a whole new ball game and athletic departments are going to be having to replace a whole lot of money that they're used to getting. Feel that void when it dries up. That's interesting. That's right. That's right. Now you got, you talked about being on Twitter, everybody, if you're not following Roger, follow him at Harden Roger. The one you got pinned at the top, it's a picture of yourself and, and Larry Bird back in the day. Tell us the story about that. You said he 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 shot for about 45 <laughs> minutes, missed three shots. Tell us the story about that encounter with Larry Legend. <laughs> well, you know, I got to know Bird on the perimeter. I have got an older brother and a younger brother who, who passed away about 10 years ago, but but they both knew Larry better than I did. And um, uh, a, a big part of that story was that was the summer they had just won it all. They had beat Houston and in 86, and I had been drafted by the Lakers. So he knew that. And uh, that was uh, the year that Coach Sutton was changed us to Nike. So uh, me being a savvy insider, I called my dad and said, you know, I know that Bird and Magic and those guys, you know, in their contracts, they've got to make so many appearances. Do you think I could get an appearance from, from those guys in Kentucky? And, of course, I'm very disingenuous in the next sentence that I said to him. I said, I think it'll really help Converse, right? <laughs> As if that was really my motive, right? I mean, my, my, my enrollment is going to go through the roof if I can get these guys. It's going to give me another year to sit around and hang out, right? Me and about three or four of my best buddies, they're going to pay for my rent for a whole year because now I got to pay my whole rent because I knew it was 50-50 with the Lakers or even if I after that, if I would get on with somebody. So he said, absolutely not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let let you do that. He said, you know, you're my son. And I said, it's not going to be good inside the company and I'm using these guys and you're going to profit from it. No, sir. I'm not going to do that. He's very adamant about it. So I hang up and call my mother and I said, mom, you need to talk to dad and he's got this and you know that how much Converse, uh, Converse could help, uh, help Con- in the state of Kentucky if those guys came to my camp. So she calls my dad, right? So because my mom, when she wants something from my dad, she's going to get it. <laughs> and I'm a big mama's boy. So she calls and about 15 minutes later, my dad calls it. If you ever call your mother again to call me, <laughs> he said, I will get you Larry and I will get you magic. One appearance. Okay. <laughs> so 
the, the first time I got bird, I got him because he loves to fish. And I had a camp in Marshall County. Well, some of the best fishing in America is up there in Lake Barkley and some of those areas. Okay. He's a huge fisherman. So he, he, he has, uh, he, he, I got a whole parking lot full of people. I got a gym packed. Okay. I charge like $5 for everybody to get in. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to just milk this thing for the whole, for everything that I can. He's running a little late. So I'm sitting there. I'm going, I cannot, but this is before cell phones or else I'd be calling my dad. And I'm sitting in the back sidewalk on the back of the gym in the parking lot. I'm looking over, overlooking a full parking lot. And here comes a pickup truck with, I mean, an old bass boat to it. And I go, but that ain't him. I cannot believe this. What well, pulls right up, right in front of me, right on the emergency lane. And by gosh, it's Bert. He's got a pair of shades on. He's on the driver's side. He pops the door open. Two beer bottles pop out. There's about two cases. There's about two cases. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Miller Lite. Okay. In the back. Okay. And one of his boys is driving the truck. He gets out. He gets the beer bottles. He throws them back in. He said, hey, when you see the, when you see the Lakers, you tell them that they're through. You tell them I said it. You're going to see it in July. You make sure you tell them I said that. I started laughing, right? And he goes, uh, I'm not signing any autographs. I'm not taking any pictures. I'll shoot and talk for an hour. Then I'm out of here. Okay. So he comes in, got the whole place seated. He comes in, walks in, does very, he goes straight to the, to the, of course, everybody claps when he comes in. He goes right to the, uh, in between the foul line top of the key. And he goes, just, just start, just start giving them back to me. So I'm, and just, just, yeah, just, bam, just, I mean, he's in rhythm, just coming out, boom, okay? And then he starts talking about, his first question was, he said, well, thank you, it's nice to be here. And he said, my first question to all you young men out there is, how many of you think are going to play in the NBA? You know, he goes, how many would like to play in the NBA? And they all raised their hand. He said, how many of you think you will play in the NBA? And about five or six of them, he said, none of you are going to play in the NBA, okay? Okay. He said, nobody in here. And he said, including the guy rebounding me, he might or he might not play in the NBA. So so I'm laughing. Okay. But you know, that's a sign of affection, right? When you're, when somebody starts talking to you like that in that world, it's like, Hey, you, you know, so I mean, he, 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 I'm telling you, he missed it. And I had kids on Twitter that were actually there. He missed three shots in like a 45 minutes and he would talk and the, the crowd was just a gas of, of his accuracy. Uh, Benny, do I need to turn these lights on? Is it getting too dark? No, it's, it's still good. Okay. You cool. Yeah, okay. Good. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, but he was great. I mean, he, he's a very solid guy. I mean, he's, he's a loyal guy, very intelligent. A lot of people don't know how intelligent Larry is. But but he really put on a show. Uh, he did take a couple of pictures. There's a few mothers that were insistent on it, but he walked right out of the gym. Boom, got in the truck, went straight to go fishing. He showed up. It was like 1.30 in the afternoon when he came. He went straight to Lake Barkley. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. Yeah, well, I knew had I had a lot of had, had a, got a lot of great bird stories. Yeah, yeah. 
for sure. So, now, Mike, I don't know if I'm trying to put you on the spot with this one, but you being from Indiana, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if if you had to pick an all time UK team of guys just from Indiana, who would, Ooh, who would you pick? <laughs> Start wow. five or twelve, however however deep you want to go. Who would who would be on your Indiana list? Man, I. I, Trey Lyles has got to be on the front line. Most of the guys that came out of Indiana were, were guards, you know. Camp, can I count Camp? Can I, I claim Camp? I, that's what I was wondering. I was like, he, can I claim? Can I claim Camp? Sean Camp? Okay, we we'd have to have Sean Camp. We have to claim Sean Camp. Okay, we have to claim Sean Camp. You know, Trey Lyles has got to be up there. Uh, let's see, what was the young man that? Tubby recruited that died the seven footer. He was out of Indiana, yeah. wasn't he? Uh-huh. John. That was a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. John Taylor yeah. Stewart. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of the bigs that came out of Indiana. I mean, the guards, you know, they're numerous. Master, myself, Macy, Jerry Hale came out of Indiana. I mean, uh, let's see who else. Sean yeah. Woods Louis. came out of Indiana. You know, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to get out. Louis from Indiana too. Louis Damp, yeah, Louis Dampier. I mean, you know, so and and the thing was in the eighties, he would recruit all of us guards. I thought James Blackman might have been the most talented guy I ever played with his freshman year when he came in. He had a knee injury that I think hindered him, but mentally, people had a lot of guards had a tough time adjusting to coach Hall because he was straight up with you and he would yank you out and get on you and your, your confidence would get shook a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had to be able to, to maintain your confidence throughout those years because you didn't have the free reign that you did when you played it, you know, you played high school basketball, but I would, to be honest, I'd have to sit down. And, that's a good question. I'm going to do that. Next time you have me on, I'll have my, I'll have my top five. How about that? That'll work, and I guess we, we better we better put Walter McCarty in there with the bigs too. He's be he'd be another one. Oh yeah, Walter McCarty. How can we forget Walter McCarty? <laughs> Love what did he? What were those great years with Walter McCarty? Those Man. were great years. Yeah. Those were those were exciting years sure for Kentucky were. basketball fans. Those were not sure there's been any better. We've had better. We've had great seasons and some two or three great runs, but that that three year run that Coach Patino had at the end. That was that was pretty impressive. It sure was. It sure yep. was. Yeah. So I didn't. I thought I might. Like I said, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. So yeah, next time we have you on, we'll yeah we'll revisit that that Indiana yeah Indiana team list for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like we we talked about this coming season. Being from Indiana, do you wish they would play again, or do you not care? Do you? How do you? you no, I do. I do. I mean. I just think that it's it's a good tradition game, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think probably more people from my generation want it maybe than some of our younger fans mm-hmm. that didn't grow up with that tradition. Of course, you know, that's back when Coach Knight was there. And we had some great wars, not only in pre during the season, but we had some, you know, some great battles during the NCAA tournament with them. You know, at that time, they had, you know, they – you know, I think they won three under Coach Knight, and that was always a big game. And I, I thought it was a great game when because it was a home and home series. You know, we'd rotate every year. What we, they'd play it rough, or we'd go to Assembly Hall, 
And then uh, CM, Mr. Newton, you know, he moved it to Indianapolis. I thought that was a nice compromise for fans to be able to come from both sides every year. And they played it in the Hoosier Dome. That was kind of exciting for both fan bases. Um, uh, you know, uh, coached in two of those under Coach Sutton. And um, personally, I, I think that, you know, uh, the program should take into consideration some of those feelings from fans. And I know probably not everybody shares that, but, but I really wish they would, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Benny, I'm going to turn these lights on real quick. I can talk okay. to you, though. All, All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but I love playing in Assembly Hall. Of course, all of us, James Blackman and all of us, we always got booed, right. you know, every time that we played there or when we, we played at Mackey Arena one time. And, you know, that was, that was good. Purdue got us pretty good. Let me move this over here a little bit so I get that light out of, uh, oh, yeah. out of there. Yeah. There we go. That's a little better. Yeah, I mean, okay. I didn't mean to keep you so long. It got dark in there on you. Oh, well. <laughs> Apologize, man. Well, it, it was just, you know, we went on about 8.15, and I, the sun was beaming through these through these windows back here. So just kind of snuck up on us. I should have turned them on before we even got started. Oh. But, uh, but no, it was uh, – it's, it's real interesting what's getting ready to happen in college basketball. I, I do think, you know, teams – it's possible that maybe Nike – will cut a deal with the Kentucky basketball players. I don't know, you know, I don't know what the rules are at the moment, but it, it might be possible that down the road they will. But I do think there's going to be an emphasis. Some of those guys are going to be reaching out to people. Uh, some of them may or may not be, know what they're doing as far as getting guys endorsements or some of them that get into the, you know, to the clothing lines where they have their, their picture on it and stuff like that I think is great. Yeah. But, you know, on the business side of it, they're going to have to be able to deliver a quality product when they did it. If you remember um, uh, the big baller brand, right? I remember when, yeah. you know, Lonzo and they were going to wear those mm-hmm. and they had some good action. They had some interest because, you know, the, he, they kind of had a, a really nice underground following. The whole family did, but um, they couldn't deliver they couldn't source it overseas. They couldn't warehouse it. They couldn't ship it. They didn't have the right people involved. So there's going to be some kinks worked out over the next two or three years where, uh, fan, I mean, parents and players are going to get educated about the business side of it. They're going to have to learn to hire reputable people that have their best interest in, uh, at heart and really give good service, but get a good product for the fans that buy those. I think that's going to be important. We'll probably go through a period where maybe that will or, 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 or probably be some horror stories along the way. Right. But, um, but I'm excited for the young players. I really am. I mean, it's, it's the free enterprise system. It's, it's what America's about. They've worked hard. They've put the time in. And frankly, I think that the administration's and the NCAA have nothing, nobody to blame but themselves. Because years ago, you give a kid, all those players, I, multiple sports, I'm talking baseball and all of them, give them all $1,000 a month, you know, to, to, to go out to eat, to do a few, thing, a few extra things special, something like that. But they just kept hanging on to it, I thought, from, from a greed standpoint. Because 
really, in my opinion, these big mergers and getting the big revenue, that money is going to do nothing but keep their salaries at the high levels that they're at, the athletic directors, the athletic administration, the coaches. That's about them, okay? Because that money, you know, you can put that, you can only put so much into facilities and stuff like that. And, you know, when you've got a budget of $170 million a year at some of these athletic programs, you know, at what point do you say, hey, when do we start maybe doing some things that maybe the fans want? I don't know how you feel about Texas and Oklahoma. I don't fear them coming into the SEC on all levels as far as competition. I mean, with Beard there, they're going to be good. I am glad that Lon Kruger left Oklahoma. <laughs> before they came in because I got I had great respect for Lon mm-hmm. and I think the coach that they got from Loyola is going to do a great job because he's a hungry young guy right and he's proven he can win with less something in the turn he's kind of out of that mold of uh, Musselman and and Oates out of Oklahoma right I mean th- that that's the future those coaches are the future so we'll have that to contend with as well. But, and I'm a huge football fan. And truthfully, we're right there on the cusp, in my opinion. And I really, I know that, uh, and I don't mean this derogatorily, but I'm not sure we'd want Duke of North Carolina coming into the, the SEC. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From a basketball perspective, you know, I, I think our fans would rise to the occasion. I think our football fans will rise to the occasion. But it is going to be another hurdle there when we're at the, in my opinion, it's going to be another hurdle for us to go up and we're doing it because we're going to get more money. So I don't know. There's got to be a little bit of a balance there, in my opinion. I think we hit all the big stuff that's going on in sports. There was a lot of it. And I think we we hit the NIL. We hit Texas, Oklahoma coming in. We got good Larry Bird yeah. stories. We, we looked at what so yeah man i think yeah. we, we checked off a lot from these boxes gotta tell you we talked about our, our sponsor earlier gotta talk about la terrain it's, it's a watch company and roger if you if you're going casual if you dressed up in a suit it's always nice to have that nice watch on your wrist the guys at la terrain can fix you right up la terrain.com l-a-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com they got different styles they got different bands um, Tony Delk and Walter McCarty have been endorsing them uh, before they started endorse, endorsing this podcast. Uh, some other players they've worked with. They did a special commemorative 25th anniversary edition watch for the 96 championship team. And that thing nice, gorgeous. So they got nice. you covered when you want to get a good watch. Go to La Terrain. And we always appreciate them uh, sponsoring the podcast. This episode will also be, you can go to Believe.com, Believe Podcast Network, or wherever you get your podcast, and also a Sea of Blue. The guys at the Sea of Blue always put the episodes of the podcast up on their website. So everybody in BBN can get a chance to hear me chop it up with you, Roger. So I always appreciate you dropping your knowledge and sharing your My story. pleasure. It was hey, lots of I'm fun. just I'm blessed to be remembered and be able to come on with you. So hey. thank you very much. Anytime, Benny. Anytime. And one more thing. If you, do we have a minute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I follow a lot of them. I know you've got a big follower out there, Michelle. You know who I'm talking about? 
She lives in northern northern Kentucky, I think. And she put out a tweet the other day asking all of her girls on Twitter. She's looking for a sundress. Did you see that tweet? I didn't see that one. Because when our ladies of the BBN, they know the sport. They follow. They're loyal. So I'm kind of giving her a shout out. But she only asked for the ladies to give recommendations where she should get the sundress. And I know she is a loyal listener. She's listened to you, I think, for eight years. I saw on her Twitter, she listened to you for eight years. She's been listening to you forever. I want to tell her that my recommendation is to go to the Peppermint Palm to get your son dressed in Lexington, Kentucky, because I've had three daughters and a wife, and I've spent more money at the Peppermint Palm on dresses over the years. So, Michelle, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, make sure you include the, the gentleman next time you're looking for fashion recommendations you never know what you'll find so i'm giving you the peppermint palm there you go that's that's it then i'm out let's see see she gives some that's some very sound advice from somebody who <laughs> and you are a loyal customer of peppermint palm they need to give you some kind of rewards program or some kind of you know well or something to say thank you well, for the money I, you I, I, I paid for I paid for it, right? But I didn't wear none of their stuff, right? right yeah. But there's some, we got some great women on Twitter that know the game. And I mean, Lisa Thompson Rogers and, you know, I follow all of them. I don't always interact with them, but I always like to see what they're saying and what they're talking about. And I, it's a great way to get to know people. They share their life a little bit. I'm kind of closed in that area. I don't share a lot about my life. I try to keep my kids and my wife out of it. They want me to keep them out of it. In the beginning, when I first got on Twitter, I had a picture of my three daughters. Oh. And I had some, I had some young guy DM me asking me if they're single, right? And I was like, what? No. So I immediately took them down because they were on my head up here, right? I had, you know, I had my three girls. And of course, I've got my older son, who's my best friend. He's, uh, we talk all the time, about two or three times a day. So I had to take them down and I decided then because I didn't want, I didn't want people, because sometimes I take income, right, on Twitter. Sometimes the mob comes after you for opinion you expressed or something like that. So I didn't want my family to have repercussions on that. So I don't, I'm not real open about that, but I love getting to know all of the Twitter followers and we share a lot of them. So I just wanted to throw that advice out there. That's for sure. So I'll be sure to to tag them in the tweet when it comes out. Okay. They'll definitely want <laughs> okay. to listen and be glad to hear that okay. shout out from you, Roger. Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate Good it. Good talking, yeah. Vinny. All right. Yeah. We'll see you. Y'all take care. It's been another episode Bye-bye. of Leaving Kentucky. Uh-huh. by Bet Online. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll see y'all for another fun episode next week. Thanks to Roger Harden. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.